I'm wearing green hunting boots. It's up to my knee. I'm wearing short sleeve army camo pants. I've got a, my grandpa's 1100 with reload BBs and he has to put wax on it to keep them from rolling out. And there's BBs rolling out the end of the gun barrel. And I put, I don't know how to use the mouth call. It's backwards. I'm sucking in on the mouth call. And I, I make, I make some kind of noise. And here come three big long beards and three big. Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand. Walking in the early dawn to climb the Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. WiseEye Wise Hunt Eye. Control presents Welcome to American Roots Outdoors. I'm calling in via phone from First Class Whitetails of Ohio in Rutland, Ohio, Redbone Wayne. Well, was that named after your family or something? Yeah, that's why I ran over here. I was trying to find my ancestry, my roots. Well, kind of figured you'd be from Ohio. It is a a beautiful area down there. Yes, it is. What county do we call this? I'm Bubba, First Class White Towns. We're in Meigs County, Ohio. Nice and hilly and lots of wildlife. That's right. Yes, sir. So we're going to talk uh, this week, we're going to talk about late season gobblers. We've we done a turkey camp over the first class whitetails with uh, Kenny Zussman. And we had a couple cancellations, so I didn't come in last week. But we got a couple friends that come in from Georgia. And our guest from Georgia is a father-in-law and son-in-law. And we have a story for you guys and we got a lot of knowledge we're going to share with you on how we killed a big hook daddy today. Uh, a late season gobbler, again, is our topic, and our subject matter is about how we killed this big gobbler today at 1 o'clock today. You can hunt all day in Ohio. Did you know that, Redbone Wayne? Actually, I knew that. Well, <laughs> Being, being from, from Ohio. Ohio Wayne knew that. <laughs> I did not know that. And, Alex, do you think that that's a good thing or a bad thing? It's good and bad, I guess, in a sense. Uh, you know, Missouri, we believe in setting down at 1 o'clock mm-hmm. because it, we get, believe in giving the hens time to nest and not being molested, people out in the woods, etc. Uh, now, in Ohio, the, I, I, the first two weeks is only until, I believe, noon or 1 o'clock, and the last two weeks are all day. That's correct. Yes. That is correct. Okay. That is correct. Well, that makes sense. Anyway. Before we get into the subject matter, late season gobbler, let's talk about those cardinals. Uh, All right. St. Louis Cardinals, red bone. Well, St. Louis Cardinals have been red hot over the last week. Uh, you know, they went to uh, uh, they went to Chicago, took two out of three from the Cubs, and then they went to, uh, where did they go after that? 
Anyway, they did. Uh, yeah, uh, Boston. Yeah, I went to Boston, and they swept the Boston Red Sox. And then they came home, and they beat Milwaukee 18-1, to mm-hmm. scoring 10 runs against the second baseman in the eighth inning. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, then they got beat uh, last night. As we record this on Wednesday, and they're playing tonight. So they are playing much better. The pitching has been much better. Even the loss in there to Milwaukee was just a, a 3-2 to two ball game. Uh, the bats are coming around. The defense is much, much better. So, starting to look like we thought the Cardinals would look like when the season started. Now, over on the other side of the state, Kansas City Royals, man, they are really bad. Yeah, they're pretty tough, pretty tough, pretty tough. Yeah, it's not good. But anyway, you know, being here in Ohio, what is your favorite team, guys? Cincinnati Reds. Bubba says Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati Reds, Kenny Zussman, and these two Georgia boys, we know about their favorite team. Go ahead and tell us, Chris. The Braves. The Braves. What about you, Stan? He don't watch sports. He just turned you out, she said. <laughs> <laughs> None wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, neither one of these guys, Chris or uh, Gus, likes to be uh, in the spotlight. These are just low-key guys. They're electricians what you do for a living. We're going to talk to these guys, Kenny and Bubba, Brian Smith, today about our hunt here in Ohio. But uh, let's talk about the numbers again. I want to reiterate that uh, in the Midwest, talking about our numbers. Our numbers was pretty decent in several counties, Redbone. Well, yeah, just about everything north of Highway 60, the numbers were great. Uh, I mean, the the kill was up by about 7,000 birds. Uh, you know, over last year and, and even more than that over two years ago. So, you know, they, they always lump everything into one basket, Alex. And uh, yeah. as a result of that, uh, it was a really good turkey season in Missouri. If you were hunting north of Highway 60, if you were hunting south of Highway 60, it was terrible. Well, Shannon County's numbers was up a little bit. It still wasn't great. Right. So I would say all of it was great above 60. I don't mean to be, disagree with you, but if you was up by 44 highway, then your numbers was great. Well, it's only 100 miles from 60 to 44. So uh, I mean, that's what I'm basing that on. Anything above 60 was was really good. Yeah, and, and we're in I-44 corridor. It was outstanding. Banner year. And there's something about that I-44 corridor, whether it's turkey this year or deer the last few years, it just seems like, North of that just seems to have been the hot spot. Row crops. Yeah, that helps. Row crops. <laughs> yeah, and the predator hunt a lot up there. A lot of guys are killing mm-hmm. predators up yeah. there, too. They don't wild hogs. They don't. Yep. Yeah. Up in that. Yeah. But anyway, do you guys watch the, what's this, UFL or New Football League? USFL. You watch that? No. Yeah, USFL. No. You don't watch it. Don't watch the USFL. Don't. I didn't watch the XFL. Uh, I'm an NFL guy, and that's where I'm going to stay. Yeah, you just be that way, Redbone. <laughs> I'm going to. <laughs> I I did watch the game the other day, and just to see, you know, some of these guys that didn't get drafted that you know get onto these teams and that, and no, hey, they, they actually are. It's pretty entertaining. They do pretty good. And I remember when the uh, uh, the USFL started back, you know, when Trump owned the team. That was. Uh, Mm-hmm. When was that? That was had to be early nineties, really? Yeah, yeah, long, time long, ago. long time ago. But you that back when Herschel Walker was playing, yeah, and that was even longer, ago. right? And and back and, in uh, the eighties, yeah, the eighties, yeah. And uh, you know, you look at 
the way it was organized then to the way it's organized now and the way they play, totally different. Yeah. It is literally watching a whole different sport. Well, they're trying to reinvent football. But but it's summertime. It's time to put nine guys on the field and throw a white <laughs> ball and try to hit it with a wooden bat. It's summertime. It's time for the boys yeah. of summer. You know, the boys of fall, they'll come around in, uh, you know, yep. in September and October and start kicking the big round pigskin around, and then I'll be all about it. But right now, it's baseball season. Yeah, His, what about our high school teams? What are the outstanding high school teams now in our listing areas? Uh, well, you know, districts are going on as we record this, and uh, I know Gainesville has moved into district final. Uh, Door is really good. Licking is is really good. Uh, over in the southeast, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, there was a team over there that was really good. But, uh, you know, things are whittling down. By the time this show airs, districts are going to be over and districts will District champions will be awarded and moving on to the state tournament. So just good luck to all of them out there that are playing. Yes, sir. We want to thank everybody for listening to America. I didn't mention Houston, Houston by the way. I also want to make mention before we go to a break. June the 2nd, Aaron Tippin will be in concert at Mountain View, Missouri at the football stadium. We're raising money. The city's raising money for different organizations to help with the community. We need to sell over a thousand tickets. We need everybody to come that can come. You can buy tickets at the city hall or online or at the gate. That being said, we hope to see you there. It's going to be a great concert. Billy Randolph's one of the opening acts, and so is Levi Moore. June the second, gates open at five o'clock. Billy, I think four o'clock it opens up four four thirty, and they start playing the opening acts at five thirty. That being said, we're going to break. We come back. We're going to talk about late-season tactics to kill these hand-up gobblers. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hi, I'm Preston Pittman, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. I can load him in the back of my truck. We can take it to a holler. How many of you are tired of your batteries running out of energy, out of power? Let me tell you about Amped Outdoors. I've changed using the batteries I have had in the past. Amped Outdoors, I have the new 80 amp, 24 volt, single battery, weighs 46 pounds. This thing has produced energy all day long. Tested for two days, total use 11 hours. Cannot tell the batteries have even lost any energy. Go to Amped Outdoors if you want to be successful and not run out of power. Across the creek of a big old hill, year after year, got my Hey, turkey hunters, this is Alex Rutledge. Have you heard about Apex Ammunition? If you haven't, they are American owned, American made, made one at a time, hand loaded. These turkey loads will give you the confidence that you need to close the deal on that old hook daddy long beard gobbler. For more information, go to www.apexammunition.com. Hey, Welcome back to segment two of the show, American Roots Outdoors. I'm calling via phone from Rutland, Ohio, at First Class Whitetails of Ohio with the owner, Kenny Zussman. 
Kenny and I uh, decided to hook up and do some turkey camps. We had a cancellation of two hunters last week. We only run three people at each camp. And Kenny, well, his friends from Georgia, and they're come to turkey hunt with us. But Kenny, what I want to talk to you about, uh, first-class whitetails here. Tell the people here about first-class whitetails. What, what kind of operation you have here? Well, we're, we're a new outfit here in southeast Ohio, just trying to build something we love to do. Uh, we like managing land 24-7, improving habitat for deer and turkey, and bringing friends in to have fun in deer camp and turkey camp. Making great memories, yeah. Like you have over 5,000 acres that you lease, but you have access to over 10,000 of other land. Yeah. Yeah, so you have 15,000 acres actually to hunt. Well, we we know where the birds are and where the deer are that we have access to. Yeah. So, so your turkey season has been really good. The youth season. Let's talk about that real quick. How many youth hunters did you have in? We had four youth hunters. We had four youth hunters, and, and tell our listeners about your youth hunters and how you come about having those kids come in here. Well, I went to an NWTF banquet in Summersville, West Virginia, and they asked me if I would be interested in sponsoring, donating some youth hunts. So. We donated three of them, and one of the grandfathers that had bid on the hunt and bought it thought it was for both grandkids, so I told him to go ahead and bring the other one. Uh, they all came down to camp here, and all four boys had shot the first day, three killed, and I don't want to say one missed because I had two of them, and I think they both shot the same bird. Uh, <laughs> and the next morning, the other one has tagged out by 7 o'clock. So you're 100% success rate for your youth hunters. Yep, 100% for the youth. Awesome, awesome. So you don't run very many turkey hunters here in Ohio. You don't want to run very many. Nope. That's the same way with your whitetail. Yep. You don't want to run a bunch of hunters. You're not a numbers camp. Nope. We're trying to we're trying to target five and a half year old deer. Yep. Trying to reach that right age and uh, we want people just to come in, see what we've got and want to come back every year and you know, not they're not here to just kill. They're here to make memories and watch them grow with us and and, 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 your, and, and your turkeys, too, you don't shoot jakes. You don't let nobody no, shoot jakes. Don't, don't shoot jakes, no. Nope. Yep, yep. So your turkeys started out gobbling good, and they finally got hand up. Here we are at the tail end of the season. It's late season gobblers right now. Tell everybody what you've experienced the last three or four days. Last week, um, the birds are not staying a whole lot on the roost. They're gobbling anywhere from two to ten times, flying down and shutting up, so... Uh, and very hard to get on. Yeah, it is. And had we not decided to try to make a move on a bird that would go around him and just happened to walk in to see him over the hill breeding the hen and to know what he, why he was shutting up. Yeah. So they're really end up. You know, here it is. The Today is the 17th. We got here uh, two days ago. I got here two evenings ago. The first day, we never got on a turkey to work a turkey. We heard... Seven gobblers from one location, Wayne, Redbone, and maybe nine. There was a wad, so there's probably four in that wad, just guessing. But for sure, seven, but four. And we couldn't get on any of the turkeys. It's really hilly terrain, deep canyons. Uh, the way to hunt these turkeys, you've got to cover a lot of ground, either with a UTV or walking. And that's where our Georgia friends And the first day, Kenny walks from the camp there, and it's a mountain about a half a mile straight up. I thought, oh, my gosh, I feel sorry for those guys. I got hooked up with Bubba. He's got a, a new Polaris. So we've been hunting off of Polaris driving all over. <laughs> there. 
Well, Alex, if you remember right, I told you that when you went down there, you would have to be the in shape of a billy goat. Yeah, Wayne, you did say that. You do got to be like a billy goat to hunt down there. But old Kenny, he's been walking these guys four to six miles a day. He's an old coon hunt runner and, uh, in this country. He's used to it. And, uh, again, I'm hunting with Brian. And Brian's got a brand new Polaris 1000. It's got heat, air conditioning, wipers. It's just fancy. So we're riding around these ridges and calling. And we're going to talk about, uh, the strategies and you got to be aggressive in this late season, either that or know where these turkeys are going to be spending their time in the strut zones. But they're not gone at all when they hit the ground, hardly at all. But uh, we had rain yesterday. I got here two evenings ago and never worked a turkey yesterday. And we hunted all day hmm. and they like to dark pretty much. Come in, took a couple hour break and went back at it. Uh, today we got in there and we just knew we found a guy was strutting in a strut zone, set up a tied weed blind, the 270, set up our Avonex decoys. And we went in there and set up, not a turkey gobbled nowhere. <laughs> so we left at 930 and got on the Polaris, went to riding the roads and ridges trying to strike one. And we finally struck one at one o'clock with Brian Smith. And Brian, uh, thank you for being part of the show with us. Yes, sir. You, you hunt this area where we hunt, and we don't say where you're hunting at, but it's in the town of here. Uh, it's late season gobblers. Have you seen it this tough in years? Not, not this tough. Usually, we're usually tagged out by this time of year, and I usually take people, but not this tough. It's pretty rough. I think the predators are putting a lot of hurt on the birds. You got so. a lot of bobcats, yes, coon, coon, yep. coyotes. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to be driven, too. You can't yeah. quit. You can't yeah. give up. You yeah. stay at it all day. Yeah, you do. And, and you yeah. proved that today. Yeah, you can't give up. Yeah. Five, five seconds could change your whole life. You can't. You know. And we're going to talk about that uh, success of that hunt today. We killed a big gobbler today, a hook daddy, and we killed him at 1 o'clock, Redbone Wayne. And we cannot wait to share the story with you guys. All right. And before we do that, Alex, I mean, and, and talk about it being, you know, tougher there than it's been in years, is is it because the numbers are down or is it because of the timing of the season with, you know, weather changes? And, you know, we talk about that all the time, you know, MDC or Ohio Conservation, whoever they have, they set the dates and then just hope that the weather's right. You know, it doesn't stay cold too long or doesn't get too hot too early. I mean, or is it all of those factors together that's making it tough? I think it's a combination of everything. Uh, I had nine birds at this farm on that I was getting pictures of, and these things were all roosted together right behind the lodge every morning uh, all the way up into April. And then they started breaking up some, and we had them across the road. We had some up behind the pond. And after we've killed one bird off this farm, hmm. and we have not heard a burger within my area for – uh, about two weeks now, and no one else is hunting here. So I'm not sure if if they are just late in the season, quit talking. I don't know if predators are coming in and killing some of these toms that are too vocal. I think that's a lot of it right there. They've been quiet because all the predators. I had a guy tell me the other day that he had he had a couple toms and hens out in his field behind his house, and he said he was watching out there, and he said he seen this bobcat out in the field with him. Oh, wow. And he said, this bobcat come in there, and when he got to these birds, they come out and start running. Bobcat.
bobcat had caught one of those turkeys. <gasps> and and he said I couldn't. He didn't tell me if it was a hen or a gobbler. But he had caught one of those turkeys and killed it and carried it off. Mm. That's why we need to encourage predator hunters and trappers to support these guys. If you're a listener and you own a lot of property and you want turkeys on your property, find somebody you can trust that's a trapper or who's got a hound and let them come in and help take care of the predator numbers on your property. Yeah, I think that's the key. And it, and it seems to be the same story, Alex. Uh, I mean, when you go to Alabama, uh, you're in Ohio now, when you're you know, in Louisiana, everywhere else that you've been, and guests that we have on from all over the country, it's the same thing. We don't have the turkeys. Same story. Same story same everywhere. Story. And, and it all boils down to, I think, just like in Missouri, like you guys said, the predator hunters or the predators are outnumbering the birds and, and the deer and, and everything else, rabbits. There's nothing to keep them in check anymore. Yeah. And, and I'm sure habitat has something to do with it, too. Uh, but yeah, predators are a major problem nationwide. Yeah. And I want to say this before we go to a break. You know, if you think about we went to South Dakota, Kenny. That's very open up there. They have lots of turkeys. So they have, when you got a lot of open territory, you don't have brush, mm-hmm. thick brush like we have in Holland, Southern Missouri, and Alabama, and, and, and Louisiana. You have a lot of predators. And when you got open terrain like South Dakota and Texas, that's why they got more turkeys, I think, because they can get away from predators. Yeah. There's 40 birds in a flock there, and I think there's a lot more eyes seeing them coming. Yeah, yeah. So I think open terrain, if you'll notice that, when there's more open pastures and stuff, there's going to be more turkeys. That being said, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to cut our strategies. Clodeal on a big hook. Anyway, 20 pounds, inch quarter spurs, 11-inch beard, and we shot this gobbler at 1 o'clock today. It's all on film. You'll be able to watch it on YouTube one day once we get it edited. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more American Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. American Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys. You ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits? Buckgrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactating doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? BuckGrits.com. You can get a sample. You can order it directly from the website, and we're coming to a retailer near you. If you want to help a deer herd, use Buck Grits. Hey, guys, it's food plot planting time here in the Ozarks and all across the country. What are you planting this year, Wayne? I'm going to put some smorgasbord in with a whole lot of clover. You're going to put some extra clover in it. What? Smorgasbord? What is smorgasbord? Man, it is a variety of annuals and perennials that will get you through fall time, winter time, and all the way into spring. It's awesome. You want to plant healthier food plots to track all kinds of game? Go to www.eagleseed.com. It's a smorgasbord. You know, we all get tired of certain things. The smorgasbord has everything. Your deer will love it. Eagleseed.com.
Buck Brits. Tide We presents. Welcome back to America Roots Outdoors. Again, the topic of this show is late season gobblers, end up gobblers. We've done a series of part one, two, and three. We're actually doing a part four here since we're in Ohio. And next week, I'll even go to Michigan and hunt with the owners of Wise Eye, Daryl and Harold Monk. We're going to hunt with Mr. Todd Riley uh, in Michigan. So what we're going to do is talk with our successful hunter here today. Uh, this is Chris Pruitt, P-R-E-W-E-T-T. I was telling him today, you probably got family up. I said, you look a lot like the Pruitt up there. You know, and he said, well, he said, there was two Pruitt families. And my great-grandpa said, the Pruitt's used to spell their name the same way, P-R-E-W-E-E-T-T. He said, the other Pruitt's changed their name to P-R-U-E-T-T because they was horse thieves. <laughs> you know, I've got a nephew who's named Pruitt, P-R-U-E-T-T. So their ancestors may have, I'm joking, they went horse thieves. <laughs> so anyway, Chris, what does it mean to you to come here, you and your son-in-law, to come to uh, first class white tail. What does it mean to you to come to hunt another state? Oh, it's it's very exciting. We, you know, waited and, and come up, and we're really excited about it. So you're friends with Kenny, you and Gus, and Gus is your son-in-law. And this is neat, Redbone Wayne. Gus's birthday was yesterday, and we had this gobbler figured out that we thought we had figured out. We set up a tight wee blind, went down, and never heard a turkey. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I want my father-in-law to kill a gobbler with you, so I'm going to give my hunt up and let you take him. So we took Chris today, his father-in-law, and he was successful. We're going to talk about that, but I want you to get a feel for him. Now, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm an electrician. You're an electrician. You're a married man. Yep. You've got uh, how many daughters? Uh, Three. Three daughters. Okay, and he married one of your daughters. Gus did. Yeah. Gus don't want to be on here, so he's he's shy. <laughs> he said nobody needs to talk to him. <laughs> so anyway, three daughters. How many grandkids? Uh, we got eleven. Eleven grandkids. Wow. Whoa. What does turkey hunting mean to you? Oh, you know, really enjoy it. It's uh, look forward to it every year. Do you remember your first turkey? Yeah, I do. Uh, let's let's hear the story of that real quick. Um, it's been a while back, but uh, I got set up early in the morning and heard them fly down, and they started gobbling. There was two of them. You by yourself? Or yeah. You with somebody? Oh, you went by your first by yeah. yourself? Yeah. Well, I've been doing it off and on for a while, but I just had to kill them. Okay. But uh, I finally got it called in and closed the deal. You done it by yourself? That's pretty yeah. cool, Wayne Redbone. That yeah. is pretty cool. Self-taught, I can relate. <laughs> that is the hard way to go. Yeah. Yeah, well, see, my first turkey, I actually called in by myself, but I hunted with my brothers, and they taught me how to call. Yeah. yeah so they taught me how to call. I've always called my first one in, and it's 14 years old, and I'll never forget bringing it home. I've told the story a million times. But I walked over that hill. I felt like that turkey weighed 100 pounds. <laughs> I wouldn't weigh 60 pounds in this 20-pound turkey. And I'll never forget it. My, my mom was so proud of me, and she was telling me, your brother's killed that for you. I said, no, Mama, I killed it myself. But I voice called it. Uh, Brian's want to tell me a story here. Go ahead, Brian. I want Kitty to tell his first turkey story. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my first time turkey hunting, I was in seventh grade, uh, which would have been somewhere around 13 years old. And 
Brian, we'd been listening. We'd been watching. We had been watching hunter specialties all them years, watching it. And I wanted to get into turkey hunting. So we went, my grandpa bought me some calls, bought me a mouth call, bought me a little push button call, and bought me a decoy. Grandpa wasn't a turkey hunt. And Brian had already made obligations, was going hunting. So I said, all right, I'm going up here behind grandpa's house. So I go up there and I sit down and I don't hear nothing. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go back to my grandpa's and see if he'll take me to my Uncle Bob, see if I can hear a turkey. And one gobbles out the ridge. Mind you, I'm wearing green hunting boots that's up to my knee. I'm wearing short sleeve army camo pants. I've got a, my grandpa's 1100 with reload BBs and he has to put wax on it to keep them from rolling out. And there's BBs rolling out the end of the gun barrel. And I put, I don't know how to use the mouth call. It's backwards. I'm sucking in on the mouth call. And I, I make, some, I make some kind of noise. And here come three big long beards and three Jakes running to my decoy that is folded halfway over and halfway laying down. <laughs> and they come running in, and they, the three Jakes laid back, the three long beards come right in, right in front of me. And I am sitting there, feet still falling out of the, end of the barrel, trying to figure out what to shoot. So I picked one and I shot it. It started flopping. I, went, I grabbed my decoy, threw it under one arm, grabbed my little. Uh, seat my grandpa gave me to sit on under this arm, threw the gunner for one shoulder, threw the turkey over the other shoulder. I went flopping. He's still flopping. I am so happy. I'm running back to my grandpa's. It is the face. My face is bleeding for the turn. The school bus I'm supposed to be getting on is going by, and the kids are looking at me running through the field. I get to the house. The bird's still moving around, and I get to the house. So... Anyway, we get it killed, and I'm happy as a peacock. And I called Brian, and he says, "You did not." And he come over there. This was this bird. I this you, this bird was 25 pounds, had 11 inch beard, had inch and a half spurs. Oh my! And Brian's like, "Wow, what a giant!" He said, "What what what did you do to call him in?" I said, "I had that mouth call, and I just chirping on it, and here they come." <laughs> and that that was my first turkey. Can you ever take the time you thought you was making? Right? If I had their mouth call, I could. <laughs> I thought I swallowed it. That's probably why come in. That was my first bird. I had blood coming off of me. What a story, Wayne Redbone. That's a great story. And, and you know, it's funny you should tell that story, especially with, you know, just making some kind of noise and calling the birds in. Because I, I, I pulled up a video on TikTok yesterday, showed up, of a guy that was calling turkeys. And it must have been the worst caller in the history of turkey calling. And he called in four big old long beards right out in front of him and killed one of them. And it, it was terrible. I'm not a turkey hunter, but I know what a turkey sounds like. He didn't no more sound like a, a turkey than the man in the moon. And those four big old long beards came within like 10 yards and he just blasted one. Yep. So maybe there's it's something crazy. to that. You know, and we've talked about that, Alex. You know, that sometimes hunters sound too perfect. And sometimes, yeah, I I don't know that. I don't know that they can sound too perfect. I don't know they can sound too bad every time. But sometimes I think you can. I think you know it's like I always say when you're calling to a turkey, you you learn to talk to that turkey. It's just not going out there doing repetitive every time. You got to learn to lose a call with emotion. Like if I was talking monotones, I always say, uh, and I was trying to carry a conversation with you, Chris. I talk like this the whole way through. How are you? You're going to lose interest in me. If I talk with emotion, Chris, I got to tell you about this. 
the same way using a turkey call, you get the point across to a turkey because a hen does the same thing. She don't do the same thing every time. That's where a lot of turkey callers, why they don't call a lot of turkeys in. They're doing the same thing every time. you got to change your calling up and learn to call with emotion. Yep. And, and look and how many times, that, I'll say, Alex, look how, how many times we've had uh, guys on that do competitive calling, and they say, I have my competitive calling voice, and I have my turkey hunting voice. Because they're they're two totally different things. They said, if I were to call in a competition the way I turkey call to kill a gobbler, I, I, they go, I wouldn't make it out of the first round. Okay, that's my, that, and that's my point. Yeah. All right, yeah. we need to go to break. So, so it's important to learn to talk turkey, not just call. Right. That's exactly. Yeah. Right, we need to call, and, and we're going we're gonna to go to a break, but when we come back, we're going to tell you how we close the deal on a hook daddy today at 1 o'clock. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. They ain't down. We'll be waiting when they hit the ground. Big time coming, it's what we do. From a whipper wheel to an old house who sitting still. Accurate, deadly, dependable, Hornady ammunition. From a two-man operation in 1949 to a world-leading innovator of bullet, ammunition, reloading tool, and accessories design and manufacturer today. Hornady. Each piece is hand-inspected to ensure consistency and quality. Ammunition engineered to perform flawlessly. Simply put, the best. Hornady Ammunition. Find Hornady Ammunition at a retailer near you and at Hornady.com. Take it to a holler. Take it to a field. Across the creek of a big old. You know, Alex, there is a, a company in the outdoors that wants to provide quality hunting gear at affordable prices for the everyday hunter. Yes, there is, Redbone. It's Tide We. These guys are a blue-collar company. They make excellent products that's very affordable for everybody. And these guys want to help every outdoorsman live out their passions in the outdoors. And to find out more about this company, just go to www.tidewe.com. That's T-I-D-E-W-E.com. Apex Ammunition PC Fund presents Welcome Back to American Roots Outdoors segment four of the show. Again, the topic of the show is late season gobblers. And back with me right now is Brian Smith Bubba and Chris Pruitt that shot the gobbler today. Late season gobblers are not gobbling much on the limb. When they do, they hit the ground. They shut up. We had rain yesterday, most of the day yesterday, and part of last night. Uh, sun come out today. We didn't hear a turkey gobble one on the roost this morning. We set up the tideweed blind where we saw a gobbler strutting. And uh, I don't know what happened, but he didn't gobble there. We never heard a turkey. But our strategy today was to cover as much ground and not give up. And Brian, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's what I like to do. When you're not hearing birds, you just got to cover a lot of ground and go to areas where you've set trail exactly and where you killed and where you've killed birds before. You know where you know you killed them. You just got to keep keep putting your grind down to the. You know, just keep going, going and going and going. Sooner or later, you might strike a bird. But if you go home. You're not going to strike it. Yeah, I got. got I got to admit today with Chris and and I'm filming and calling, 
and well, we're team calling. Yeah. Brian is and Bob and I. Yeah. For Chris. And Chris really don't need us to call for him. He's called his own target, but he wanted to experience Ohio and hunt with us and be in camp with us. So we cover ground, cover ground, and we I bet I opened fifty gates fifty yeah. times. Yeah. I'm joking, yeah. but at least a dozen times because mm-hmm. the property we hunt's got private keys and gates. But finally, uh, we made a turkey gobble. When we did, he was across the ditch, a big canyon on another ridge, and Brian instantly says, get in. And the turkey went 300 yards. So we drive around onto that ridge. We get over to that ridge. We don't hear the turkey. But we did get another turkey gobble, which we thought was the turkey we was after, to the left, but that was a different turkey. Mm-hmm. I really think that now. It was. So anyway, we couldn't call that turkey in. We get up and leave. We go across the road, try and get on another turkey. Didn't make nothing gobble. As we're, we're in there, another guy drives up doing some work on the farm, and Brian says, hey, have you been hearing any turkeys? And take it from there. He uh, he said, yeah, that are not crazy. Through that gate, we heard one. And that was where we was at. That's where we left. And we called and heard that bird 300 yards away, but we left to go get even with it. Well, that bird had come across that field up there to where we was at. So then we we, we went down back down there, and we got up there, and we made some calls three or four times out through there. We got to this field where it freshly been brushed off. Mm-hmm. Alex got out, and he said, this could get interesting right here. And he made so a call. this is the spot. This is, yeah, he this said, this spot. could get interesting. He made a call, and uh, he interrupted and cut us off. Cut us off. So we had the side by side there. So I said, "Come on, guys, let's push it back." We didn't want to start it up, so we pushed it, tried to get it out of sight. <laughs> but come to find out, it wasn't out of sight because we killed the bird. Got the bird. We were looking the babies up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just. So anyway, Chris, you learned something. Not give up. That's right. And we kept going and going and going with Brian's knowledge of the property. Yeah, know where they would be. And we assumed the gobbler left us to go to the other ridge, and he didn't. Right. We went back because we talked to somebody, and somebody told us. He was tending wells is what yeah, he was doing. Yeah, tending wells. Gotcha. So that guy knew where a goblin turkey was at, and what we did, we left the turkey that came to us, Wayne Redbone, <laughs> and went back and got on him and called him in. Nice. So when he comes in, after he gobbled, we set the even H decoy up, we set up, start filming. We're in the shade on this little hillside overlooking the field. Then all of a sudden, I start working. The hens started cutting and yelping, didn't they, Chris? They start cutting and yelping back to me. So I start cutting and yelping back to them. And here he comes. Within 10, 15 minutes, he comes into the field like a rock star walking out on stage. He starts strutting. He blows up right in the field. It's great footage. And he comes in, and all of a sudden, after he's out in the field about 15 feet, here comes the two hens behind him, following him. And they come all strutted all the way up to him at about 45 yards. And as we're filming, one of the hens squats down on the ground, yep. doesn't Brian? Yep. Yep. Squats on the ground to be bred. And the other one started to squat, too. Yeah, yeah. And Chris had his gun on the wrong side of the tree because Brian actually put the decoy to the left instead of straight in front of us. So we had to wait for the gobbler. You talk about that. I said, when that gobbler turns his fan for me, move your gun to where you need to move. And he moved his gun where he needed to move. And I said, kill him and talk about that. It got ready to shoot. The wind blows and the leaves blowed in front of me. I couldn't see him. <laughs> so I had to wait just a second. Then, it, you know, 
was able to make the shot and uh, did the job. Laid him down. Yeah. Laid him down. Inch and a quarter spurs, 20 pounds, 11-inch beer, and he shot him about 45 yards. He laid him down. Mm. And, again, what made this hunt successful, and giving the knowledge to everybody that's listening, you can't give up. Yes, you got to resort back to all your own notes, your memories, where you've killed turkeys before, and strut zones. And that's what we did, and that's how we found the turkey. And I was using the ARO tube call. That's what struck them. Then I finished him with the ARO Margaret Slate and the L300. He absolutely eat the L300 up, didn't he, guys? Yeah, but I mixed it up as I was working him. Uh, when the heads would go to cutting, I'd go to cutting back to them and cut them off with my L300. Then I'd go in and sweet yelp, young hen yelp with the Margaret Slate. Then I would take it, sound like another young hen with my L300. So I was doing three different hens. And I thought, wow. I'm going to leave two hens for three because he could tell the difference in the sound. And yep. that's what brought the gobber in to the field. He come all over 100 yards across the field to me. He strutted about the whole way. Once he got all the way. So what a hunt, Redbone Wayne. Yes. And you took what we talked about just two weeks ago about uh, if you, you know, you don't always necessarily have to talk to the gobbler to get the gobbler in. Sometimes you got to talk to the hens. And like you said, you you know you're interrupting them. They're getting teed off. They're coming in. The gobblers, hey, what's going on here? There's some more ladies in town, and uh, close the deal. That's awesome. Well, I think the the trick was the two call was what struck it. The frequency of the two call, the two call has been my go to call to make a turkey gobble over any call I've ever used in my life, even over a box. They'll answer the two. Kenny, you've seen it. The two call. It, it, it's wicked. You're, you're proving it. <laughs> Everywhere I've, I've went, the two call. I've sold a lot of them on my website right now. People just burning them up, buying them. And uh, they're not easy to learn. I mean, Brian's trying to learn to use it. You're trying to learn to use it. Chris, trying to everybody. But, uh, I've been yeah. trying for two years. <laughs> and I think another thing in killing turkeys, you got to have enough land yeah. to hunt. Yeah. You go on a 100-acre farm. You're right. You're right. Once they're off that property, you're done. Yeah, that's what I think. 13 days of season in Missouri. 13 days they was off the property. I didn't know that. You had nothing to hunt? Yeah. So we hunt a big track of land here, and that's why we're being successful. So we're going to go back. As soon as we're done with this show, Kenny family's fixing ribeyes tonight. But we can hunt all day. Brian and I are going to head back out. We're going to try to get on some turkeys and roost some before dark. And, uh, and anyway, uh, what memorable hunts we've had. Tomorrow, I'm headed back home tomorrow. I got to speak at the church Saturday. Anybody listening, I'm speaking at Shiloh Baptist Church Saturday at 4 o'clock, and we're having a big fish fry. Hope to see everybody there. But uh, we got a segment five, the bonus segment, coming up after this. But again, reiterating, don't give up. That's right. Till next time. Thanks for talking with us. Speaking of, if we're not here for segment five, me and Gus are looking at hens out here on, out the lodge right now. We might have to go here. Chris, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to say to everybody? You're a man of God, and what do you want to say about to people in the world today? What's going on? You just got you know, keep believing, and you know, things going to get better. And have faith in God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And what do you got to say to anybody that's never turkey hunted before? That may be listening. You got to get out there and drive. It's addictive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What a wonderful memory we've made together. That's right. I'm yeah. sure. And everybody at first sight, thank yeah. you for being on the show. Yeah. Yes, what we're going to talk about in the bonus segment, everybody, 
is I've got my tube caller with me. I'm going to demonstrate the call, and we're going to talk about the use of the tube call. Over to you, Wayne. Yeah, and to catch the bonus segment, just tune into your favorite podcast carrier, type in American Roots Outdoors, uh, click uh, like, subscribe, whatever it asks you to do, follow, and uh, you'll get the uh, rest of the uh, the show here. So if you missed any of the first part of the show, you can catch the show in its entirety on the podcast also. All right, and as we say at American Roots Outdoors, when your roots run deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Amped Outdoors presents American Roots Outdoors bonus segment. In this segment, we're going to talk about the use of the ARO tube call, how to use it, and why we think this is the most effective locator call ever designed for a turkey hunter. Wayne? Yeah, I tell you, I, I've been trying for two years to get that tube call to work, and I just ain't got the knack for it. And But I tell you, Alex, when I when you strike it, it's a whole different ball game. And it, it's almost like you, you, you. Every time I see Alex do it in the field, it's like going to class, because it's just amazing to watch him do it. How the ease he does it with, because he's been doing it for so long with it. But the reactions that these toms will just that you know we've tried box, we've tried the slate, we tried the mouth calls, nothing works. And they work. And, and, and he'll be they like, work. he'll be like, hold on, I, I got something here. And he'll pull out this little funky looking thing with a piece of latex over it, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, oh, where do you hear this, man? Where do you hear this? And he would just make that little, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And all of a sudden you hear blah, 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 all over the place. I'm like, you couldn't do that like a half hour ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the first time the two calls were introduced to me is by a, a one of the greatest of all times turkey hunters, Mr. Glenn Kate, five-time state, Maryland state turkey calling champion. He introduced me to the tube call, and it was an old Ben Lee Black Widow tube call. He had it with it with him, and he taught me how to use it. So that's what turned me on to it. And also, my brother Roy uh, actually showed it to me before Glenn did. He would take old pill bottles he got from Dr. O'Banion's doctor's office and uh, cut half of the lid out of the inside of it and stretch latex over it or a condom and, and do his calls out of that. Hmm. So... Anyway, it, what it basically what it is, it's a tube with half the lid in it and an open space in it, and you stretch latex over top of it. And what you do is you, you get a little bit wet and put your bottom lip on it, and you blow one steady stream of air like this. And you control different types of air on it and pressure. So what you want to do is learn to do one steady noise, So you hear it change, that's because the vibration of the reach changing for the way I'm putting pressure on it. I'm going to do a high-low. That's a cluck. It sounds so realistic, guys. No doubt. You can do kikis on it. You can do coyote house. Here's kiki. Mm-hmm. 
You can do a coyote howl. Do a chicken. You want to run some city slickers out of the woods? Do the this call right here. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like. <laughs> I think deliverance is get out of here, boys. <laughs> Squeal, little piggy. Squeal. <laughs> but anyway, no, you can call low with it. Call super loud. <laughs> Cutting. about the frequency they respond to it yes they really do and some people who gobble one i can't gobble it very good <laughs> so that's the tube call many many calls in one yeah multi-purpose many yeah. calls in one. Hmm. it's a swiss army knife of calls <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Tarzan call, so, my favorite, probably. <laughs> yeah, the Tarzan call, or this one right here. I, I've used this one many times. When you're on government land, if you want the location, do yourself. And you know there's city slickers around you, beginning hunters, just do this. Back to the motel. Yeah, yeah. Go and start telling stories about seeing Bigfoot. Rather say you need to take a big old log and start smacking the side of a tree like they say Bigfoot does. That'll get them running. That'll get them running. <laughs> a bogey creek monster. But no, the two call is actually you just practice it, practice it. Like playing an instrument, you learn to put the right pressure and the right amount of air on it. You learn to use it, and uh, that's what made that turkey today give up his location and made him responsive. And again, I switched over to the, the ARO Margaret Slate and the ARO L300 diaphragm. Now, I got, I got him hooked on the sound. They get hooked on a certain sound. And no matter what other calls comes into play, you got to be really good to make him tr- change his mind to not like the original sound that he hooked on. How many of you have noticed that? Well, I was going to, I got a, a question for Kenny as you know, we're talking about late season tactics here. And my question for Kenny is, I know when I was in Ohio, one of the things I loved about uh, being able to hunt all day is when you knew where the, the, the toms were roosting at, you were able to set up and get in the area that you knew they were going to be coming back to, to roost for your afternoon, you know, in an evening hunt. Is that something that you guys try to take advantage of down there? Uh, I'm not much of an afternoon evening hunter. I like the action in the morning, but I suggested that we got another buddy up here, NJ Dell, who Matt Dell, Dell Outdoors. Oh, he's been coming. Is, he's supposed to have Dell. Yeah, he's tonight. supposed to be coming tonight. But oh, he, nice. he's been after a bird for eight days now. That continues. He didn't get him today. He didn't that, get him today. that continues to roost on his side and flies down on the neighbor's side. Okay. Or he'll pitch down right on his side and take off. And that's what I told him. I said, man, I, he, he said that this feels wrong waiting on it but he believes that he's going to have to go to that tactic and wait on him to come to roost tonight and i said that's that's what i would do after eight days. Here late. well if he took my advice he will be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's one of the things i was when when i worked uh the first shift 
you know, and I only had two and a half, three hours to hunt, you know, till nightfall. That was one of the tactics I used, and I loved it because you just, if you knew where the birds were, where they're roosting, just get in there and set up because they're going to go back generally to the same, some sometimes the same tree all the time, but at least the same area. And you have a, you stand a good chance, especially when you're limited on time. I mean, why not take advantage of that, that tactic? Yep. Season's getting wind down here. I've killed five birds. Let's see. One, two. I've watched five. How how many have you got this so far, Wayne? I'm sorry. How many have I seen? Is that what you said? Did you get this year during season? I didn't get any this year. I got one 60 yards, got him into 40 yards, and then he saw me raise my gun and said, see you later. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Wayne ain't get to hunt a lot. No. Nope. Wayne's been hunting with, uh, he's got foster kids. He only got to hunt like two or three mornings. Yep, got a three times. Don't turkey hunt much, right? Hey, Wayne. Yo. Hey, we got an invitation. You can come up first class white towels. Hot with us. I, I, I'm going to take you up on that next year. I already told Alex I'm going to. We got him into 20 yards. Oh, there you go. See, now you're just rubbing it. In. But, and, 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 if they don't, and if they don't make it at 20, we carry extra slots. Well, well, see, that's the problem. I can't get them into 20 because I'll have the same problem Alex does, and that's when you're shooting those apex. It's like hitting them with a 22 rifle round, you know, anything closer than 20 yards. I missed three. Yeah. It, it, anyway, guys, again, thank you for being on the show with us. This has been a great show, Chris. Uh, Gus, even though you wasn't on part, you was part of it, giving your hunt up for your father-in-law. I thought that was very honorable of you to give your hunt up for your father-in-law to go hunt with me. And uh, Brian, thank you for right. a wonderful tour guide showing us where to go. And you know the country. And Kenny, you you've got a first-class operation. And I think we need to create a first-class turkeys of Ohio too. We need to trademark that yeah. today. Okay. <laughs> Well, you think it's good now? Just wait and see what we do in the next few years. The food plots and everything just, we just got. Wait oh, we get yeah. Actually, we're going to be running camps next year. So anybody listening wants to book hunts with us, get a hold of Kenny or me, because we're going to we're only going to do three camps a year here. Right. So we're going to do awesome. wide open is all we know. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Wide open. Uh, let me tell you something, Bubba, Brian. If you're walking down a ridge, you don't want to fall down. In front of him, let him fall down because he will smash you. He's six <laughs> foot five, weighs three hundred and eighty pounds. He will hurt you. But I do it done, though. He gets it done. He gets it done. We gotta tell you a quick story, real quick. We, 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 you know me, Wayne Redbone. I'm always punking somebody, messing with somebody. I got Chris today. We sitting in the tide. We blind. I said, "Big cover, big cover to the left, big cover to the left. Don't move." And he, he, he barely moved his head and froze like a statue. I said, "He's coming, he's coming." He, where, where, where? I said, "He's coming, he's coming." I said, "Get your gun up." He went to raise his gun real fast. And he looked out there and he goes, I "Ain't no turkey." <laughs> <laughs> then we punked Kenny on our way. We killed this guy. I told Chris, and Chris, we don't want to text nobody. Let nobody know you killed this turkey. I said, "I'm gonna text Kenny and tell Kenny I can't handle." Hunt with Brian Bubba because he calls too much. He calls the gobbler to hang up with and come in. He just burned. I said, we're going to call 911. The fire department He's burning the slate up. <laughs> so I said, Brian, we got to talk about Brian calling too much. Then Brian texts Kenny and says, Kenny, I think Alex is mad at me. <laughs> so we set him up. <laughs> we put the gobbler in the back of Kenny's truck, uh, uh, Brian's truck that we're hunting with. And Chris was all in on it, too. We get in here, we go to talking about, you know, calling too much, this, that. And Brian acts like he's mad at me. 
listen, you, because you're a professional hunter, don't need to be telling me how to call and all this. I've killed over 100 turkeys and blah, blah, blah. You don't like this. I ain't hunting with you in the morning. Kenny's over at Gritney State thinking, what's going on there? These guys are getting mad at each other. <laughs> Two things were mad at each other. We're not. So I said, Kenny, help me get my stuff. I said, I'm not hunting with him in the morning. Brian told him to get his stuff out. I said, get your stuff now. <laughs> Kenny's going, oh, my gosh, what's transpired? <laughs> so we all go out the truck to get my stuff, and Kenny drops the tailgate to get my stuff, trying to keep the fire, put the fire out. He didn't even notice the dead turkey lying there. I seen like an be worried about finding your stuff. He's worried about finding my stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, fun it, fun it Everybody, camp. thanks for listening. And guys, again, just want to say thank you all. Yeah. Wonderful memory here. We got this evening and the morning, and then I'm heading home. And uh, I know I'll cherish this memory forever. And uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Gus. Hey, hey we watched you, Joe. Yeah. Good mile. Uh, yeah, they keep saying, man, it's an honor. I've watched you when we was young. He went and took you with quarters to go get his video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, five, six, you know, go get five videos and walk <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff, Wayne. Yep, no doubt. And like we. I ain't my buddy, but I was in. I love it. I wouldn't have him again. Hey, when we got to camp, guess what? Bubba calls me Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't call her. I love that guy. Oh, and I got to talk to him on the phone. I like to talk to him. Hey, Eddie. <laughs> talk to Eddie. I'm Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Check Thanks, out guys. our calls on com. Thank you, Redbone. Thank you, Wayne, for everything you do for American Roots and for the outdoors. Remember, take your kid hunt and share the outdoors. God's creation. It's up to you and I to share on this great heritage, what God's given us. Don't be greedy. Share it. Wayne? And like we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong. There's no reason to fear the wind. Hey, hey, what the wind